listening to Spitball with Adri Paul Holt Mellows and Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. Hello and welcome to this festive edition of Spitball. I'm your host, Adri Borhawk Mallows, and joining me here in the Aylesbury Studios is the one, the only, my favourite co-host, everyone's favourite co-host. Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. How are you, buddy? It's good, we're live, we're live, there's no lag. No, that oh, means yeah. if I say something bad, you can slap me and vice versa. <laughs> Gotta watch my tongue. Yeah, you're not <laughs> We'll give a producer slap for any bad awards this week, will we? Uh-oh. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, as I say, festive edition with Christmas just around the corner. For those keeping track, this is also episode 61, so... Marcus, shall we move on with the show? Yeah. Who are you? I don't even know your name. What's your name? Turn around. Let me see your name. Turn around. Let me see your name. Turn around. I don't know you, bro. You're having one of those days. Hey, baby. You're having one of those days. I say that to say this. And you wouldn't have did what you would have did. Then we wouldn't have been where we was at to get what we got. That just don't make no sense, dog. Marcus. Put your shoe on! Put it on! Shit! I can't face with this ball. I'm a teeth. I think I chip my tooth. I wish I had some goals so you can buy me some teeth. This week, with so much to talk about as far as playoffs, etc., is concerned, I thought we'd do the show a little bit differently this week. So instead of having our game recap and gear grind and things like that, I figure we'll start off rounding up each different conference because there's a lot to talk about a lot of playoff spots now secured in each conference so let's start with the AFC and some of the big matchups that affected the playoff standings this week starting with Pittsburgh Kansas let's dive right in my friend what did you think oh, it was it was interesting because of course the implications that came from it were of course Pittsburgh have to keep chasing on Cincy but of course it is that sort of we said I said last week I made the bold statement I said all those seven and six teams I said that if they did actually end up dropping another game that I said they were kind of out of it so Kansas it was kind of like a do you still want to be in the playoff hunt it was it was one of those sort of elimination games I like to think of it elimination eliminates you from the process apart from the fact that it didn't didn't eliminate either of them true no no I'm a, <laughs> I know but for, for Kansas it was definitely a ha- it was a must win if you still still want to go I mean technically there is there's definitely still room for them to go yeah but it's looking at a it trickier now with the Pittsburgh result yeah. so they've got a lot of things that, that need to go their way so a great result for Pittsburgh and leaning a lot on Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown again well yeah I think sometimes though if you have got key people you need them just to step up on this sort of what they call this December run into the playoffs so if you are going to lean heavy on them it's it's great when they step up to the mark and great at this time of year to have a solid running game we've said it before when it comes to the playoffs you need to have that solid running game because when you go up against the likes of Peyton Manning and Tom Brady what's the thing you want to do you want to keep them sat on that bench on the sideline and the best way to do that is a solid running game taking lots of time off the clock drive the ball consistently and in that Pittsburgh may end up even though I didn't have them I don't think in the playoffs initially I think I had Baltimore but I'm going to have to change my mind on that. Obviously, now with the win against Kansas securing a playoff spot in the AFC, I'm actually going to make them my dark horse to maybe sneak it all the way to the Super Bowl. Oh no! Actually, you know what? They're quite rounded, aren't they? The fact, and I think a lot of games they've lost. You look at it. I think they've 
they've lost games that they, they should have won, you know, that they had either the lead or, or, or games against teams that really they just didn't turn up on the day and did what they had to do. So it's almost like um, allowing them to snatch like defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the players came into it. When something was on the line, that's when the likes of Pittsburgh, you generally tend to see them start to play well. Around November, December time, even if they've had a slow start to the season, they tend to think, oh, OK, we need to wake up now if we want to get to the postseason. And nine times out of ten, that's why you see the same sort of suspects in the playoffs, because they just know how to get it done. Uh, in crunch time so so with that result for Pittsburgh that obviously had a knock-on effect and uh, likes of Baltimore obviously needed to match that victory when they took on Houston this week and <laughs> Marcus shaking his um, head yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> give away the result already <laughs> I was just I was because of course with the whole quarterback thing in Houston being a bit near um I just assumed Baltimore would just be like thank you very much and it was just yeah, with their third choice quarterback, wasn't it? They had Keenum in for Keenum in and um Flacco, I think it was just the worst game he's ever had. Yeah, I saw at half time, I think he had two or three completions, uh twenty seven yards three interceptions I believe it was the longest story short of this uh, and I apologise for the, the waffle <laughs> is that he had a zero quarterback rating at half time well, it, it wasn't just him though I mean it was it was all over the board I mean that's been a really nice oh actually to be fair though actually I do have to give credit to the Baltimore defence because how many field goals they managed to turn out the fact that they were put in really bad positions over and over again but they made Houston kick free. Yeah, that's definitely a credit to that defence. And, and we've said before on the show, haven't we, that that is kind of getting back to their strong point where Baltimore have always been good is on the back of a great defence. Then they build from the solid run game, which then allows Flacco to open up the deep passes. But there have been times this year when Torrey Smith has been very, very quiet and they've not been able to hit that deep bomb over the top, which is, in his rookie year, he caught an amazing number of touchdowns or receptions just from that deep go route I don't know what it was but the four set and uh, Pierce couldn't get the the run game situated so they kind of just um, allowed Houston just to sit back and just go like spar on, uh, on Flacco and, and well there's one player there that stops a run game in the tracks isn't there <sighs> Jesus and his name is JJ Watt say what an absolute animal and we were talking about this a bit of training this week and it would probably be unfair that come the end of the season they won't be talking about JJ Watt for MVP but when you think about everything he means for that Houston team not just the defence yeah. he's even done scoring himself not only with defensive touchdowns but three uh, touchdown receptions as well so this year he truly has done everything possible that he can do to give them a winning season now sat at 8-7 uh, because they beat uh, Baltimore this week so Baltimore can still make it to the playoffs but with the teams that they've now lost to so having lost to Houston then that puts them in a in a bad position as well so it's going to be a, another one going into the final week before we come off to the rest of the playoff picture is looking at San Diego Baltimore Kansas or even Houston now vying for a playoff spot it's been pretty tricky because teams you didn't think would win have won and the teams you thought would win haven't so they've just sort of like managed to just create that that car crash effect where one one car crashes and then the one comes in behind it behind it behind it so they all scrunch up and it's just like right pick a winner out of those three or four candidates yeah so are we getting really bad at this in particular am I getting really bad at this and predicting who was going to win or has it just been that much of a top 
topsy-turvy season that everyone's struggling to predict he's going to win I think it is I think it's a, it's a case that you, when you sit there and go oh they're getting a good run of form they'll just sort of like burn out against a, a team that they shouldn't or, or you'll sit there and you'll say right well these guys are struggling and then they'll just pull out the performance of a lifetime a bit like Buffalo I'm going to go ahead I know we thought perhaps they weren't going to come up this week but I have to mention <laughs> them because last week obviously we had an amazing result against Green Bay and in the last two weeks uh, up until the game obviously just gone we'd kept two of the best quarterbacks off the board for touchdown pass wise goes we come up against Oakland and Derek Carr <laughs> yeah, and it's a completely different story and I thought to myself I saw a couple of their touchdowns or some of the receptions and the touchdowns today and it's how they beat us uh, last year those deep passes over the top just getting behind the secondary so taking advantage of of when we're playing that that's well not even really a single safety just man coverage against the wide out and then uh, Holmes just torched us yeah I mean it's, him it's, and Tompkins to be fair yeah defence did put it together because you did the same sort of thing as Baltimore you condensed them down at least to the field goals I mean uh, I even think Janikowski missed one of them as well so he did yeah it came down to me really was there wasn't enough pressure on Carr I mean, one sack isn't going to be enough. And it's a very leaky offensive line, really. So Yeah, so for the team with the most sacks in the league to only get one sack against Derek Carr, it's a little bit... I don't know what happened. Maybe they just weren't... Maybe the O-line played the game of their lives. Or maybe Derek Carr was just throwing the ball that quickly. It, it, it's not, like I said, it's one of these cases where they've got nothing to play for, really. You know, no, Oakland. Pride. So they came in, and they but they just outplayed and just played, like you said... I mean, you guys had everything to lose from this, you know, because this was the idea was that you beat these minnows and then you've got the, the run into next week because you've got to take on New England anyway. So you would have needed the... The momentum would have been need huge the momentum. going into that game if and we could course, have beaten Green Bay, then Oakland, and then go into Foxborough. Foxborough, with the fact that they've clinched number one seed, you might have even got an easy team. You might have played the second strings. So, you know, you could have had, like, rubbing your hands there, but I think... That's unfortunately slipped away. Yeah, so that's what this week does. Well, well, that's it. Yeah, week sixteen. So coming into that, so with this week, you mentioned there New England getting the number one seed. So New England this week getting a really close victory against the Jets. I don't know what it is about the Jets, but no matter what type of season they're having, they always seem to have a great performance against New England. Everyone in that division likes to play well against New England. Yeah, I mean, it was it was, it was unfortunate because it was um, Geno Smith really came out and sort of played. Um, I think what we or not we but all Jets fans had expected him to play like from college and it was that sort of like that poise in the pocket really because the defence had it right going because the Jets defence was all over Brady like four, oh, they four were, or five sacks it was ridiculous amazing yeah you couldn't fault the Jets defence for trying to win the game and I honestly think it is just coming down to the fact that we used, you mentioned earlier becoming one dimensional running into it and too much they asked of Geno Smith and I just still don't think he's ready to be the, um, the Atlas putting the world on his or the team on his shoulder sort of thing with the running backs they've got there though don't we find that very surprising with Chris Ivory and, and Chris Johnson as well one of those two should be able to step up and it's been more Chris Ivory this season than Chris Johnson yeah, I'm, I'm still not sure. I mean, this this whole running backs coming into their sort of like swan song, and they, they normally get traded to or, or, or wavered onto another team. You either find two things where either it will be the the boost they needed, that that change, that impetus to sort of like go out on a high, or they just seem to fizzle away. So, what's the answers there for them at running back draft again? A high pick this year. 
use that on a running back. No, I think ditch the dead weight in, no, in I, Ivory and Johnson. Are we saying they're they're not quite dead weight yet? No, I'd say Ivory's Ivory's got potential. We've seen it a couple of times how he's had these big games. He's a big bruising back. They could do with picking themselves up like a, the lightning if you got the thunder back. You need someone like a lightning pick yourself. Try and find yourself a little like Darren Sproles type player. Someone who can give you that sort of, um, especially with Geno Smith, you need someone who he can just sit there, check down to a nice nippy back with good hands that when um, all hell breaks loose and the, the protection's gone, he can at least get the ball out for a two, three yard gain than taking a four, five yard sack. Take a chance on Ray Rice? No, he's, he, I don't think he will be that, that nice nippy back. No, no, not when he comes back, if no. he comes back. If he comes back, I think he'll, he'll have he's got to recondition himself unless he's managed to keep himself in NFL condition through all of this but I mean looking towards next season this is what I'm thinking mm. so he'd have obviously all that the time because let's not forget that whole 4th and 27 give it to Ray Rice and miracles happen play from a couple of seasons ago yeah I don't think Ray Rice is for them Ray Rice is for someone who they need the, the utility back I see and someone like an Indianapolis who haven't found that one I know they brought in Trent Richardson but he hasn't become the every down back that's that's who a team that's a team that would need a Ray Rice yeah Cleveland seems to have worked wonders out of that trade don't they to be fair because mm-hmm. everyone sort of thought, why are you trading away Richardson why are you trading him away but now it looks like one of the smartest decisions they've ever made yeah and West is playing really well yeah West and Crowell is their kind of main back now isn't he as well so they've got two there and not to mention they've got Ben Tate as well as I found out when I was playing Madden and behind him in the uh, draw- in the order <laughs> I come back to Madden 15 because it is an incredible game and if you put yourself as like I put myself as a uh, late round draft pick so you have a great a good development trait but not good initial skill set mm. um, and then so obviously you have to try and work your way into the team you have a great pre-season and then of course oh look he's got a much higher rating than me so he's going to play every game and I'm left to returning kickoffs. <laughs> but I digress a little bit we'll come back now uh, so New England <laughs> secured the number one seed with a little help from Denver who played Cincinnati last night and have you seen anything from that game Marcus? Yeah well, what is going on with Peyton Manning? You know what I think it's my fault what did you say? Uh, I think I don't know if any of you guys will remember this, but a couple of oh, good sort of I'd say six or seven episodes ago, I mentioned that Peyton Manning is unstoppable. You remember the road, the super cyborg man? Oh yes, I do remember. As the my cyborg gear grind, yes, he was I do unstoppable. The cyborg Manning, yes. Since then, it's something ridiculous. Like he's 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 averaging around, I think he's like twelve touchdowns, but he's thrown seven interceptions since I mentioned that. I think I was quickly doing some maths. So he's still up on it, but seven interceptions for, for Peyton Manning. See, they must be listening like because weeks. they're going out of their way to prove us wrong. Yeah. So we must be doing something right. <laughs> clearly, clearly, someone's he's sitting there going, "Oh, what's that? What's that, Marcus? You you, you think I'm uh, you know immortal? Well, let me just bring myself down to That's it. And Adri, you take the Mickey out of my brother, will you? Well, this is what I'm going to do for your fantasy team. Yeah, brilliant. Cheers, oh, Peyton. Actually, do you see that the fact that Peyton now has 15 interceptions to Manning um, Eli's 13? Oh, really? Yes. Thanks. So Eli's there. Eli's actually he's outperforming his brother, not touchdown wise, but he's not as bad. Yeah, but that's because uh, Eli has Odell Beckham Jr. to throw to, and that's pretty much where it ends. Whereas Peyton Manning, as always, has a whole host of people to throw to Sanders, Thomas, Thomas, Welker, the list just goes on. But so Denver lost to Cincinnati last night with Manning throwing four interceptions, uh, with uh, Kirkpatrick getting two of them. One of them I saw was an absolute doozy. It was Sanders was. 
<laughs> on a completely different route to where Manning thought he was going. He just dollied the ball up as he was about to get hit, not really caring where the ball went, and then picked off, pick six, job done. And that was right at a key moment when uh, Denver were only down by a couple of points as well. So yeah, I mean, someone who's supposed to be a clutch and key player, you've cursed him calling him a cyborg, and now he's resorted to <laughs> yeah. Geno Smith-type play, dare I say. What was it? Because they kept coming back into the game and sort of like, you know how you felt that third quarter. Wow, that third quarter. Look, Denver turned up for the third quarter. They didn't turn up for any of the other quarters. <laughs> I don't know what it was. That third quarter, they came out the gates, they attacked Cincinnati, then they turned around, they got the quick turnover they wanted with that awesome Von Miller holding the guy up and then just ripping it straight out of his arms. Oh, yeah. That kind of defensive play is uh, is always worth a mention, 100%. So Denver losing to Cincinnati obviously then has a knock-on effect. So at the moment, you've got New England 1 and Denver 2 is how they currently stand in the plus Both having secured a playoff spot, we should mention as well and Cincinnati obviously helping out their cause there with a big win over Denver and putting them still in pole position in that AFC North with next week them facing off against Pittsburgh to see who wins that division love it absolutely love it how, how it's thrown up a couple of really doozy matchups and there's another one in the the NFC the way it's sort of developed out I mean Denver they are they are secure now mainly because the, the rest of the West is sort of like stuck in you've got San Diego and Kansas have managed to beat each other and up enough this year to sort of hinder both their chances yeah they're both know, two and three in the division I know I know what you call it that San Diego is in the playoffs at this moment but that's because of their out of division play yeah and within like, the conference but out of division like coming back from 21 points against San Francisco stuff like that will help you get into the playoffs um but Denver have got lucky the fact that they have that dominance and they managed to just maintain it and pull it through yeah so quickly come on to that then because we, we touched about obviously so Cincinnati Pittsburgh sorry for the AFC North and then we are left with uh, San Diego uh, Baltimore Kansas or Houston to get that last playoff spot because Indianapolis obviously secured the AFC South a couple of weeks ago uh, sorry last week in fact with their win against Houston San Diego we just want to touch on this before we then go over to the NFC that game against San Francisco, they were practically buried by the third quarter. And you want to talk earlier, as you did, about teams turning up in the third quarter. San Diego, they definitely turned up in the third quarter. 28-7 down at half time, And then two touchdowns within 11 seconds, I believe it was, yeah. um, in the third quarter. And just really kind of kick-started everything they needed for, for that miraculous overtime comeback. It's not the first time Rivers have done it, though, this year. So really... I'm surprised we're so surprised about it, but I think the fact is that they do this year in, year out. I'm sure they do this they year. They do. They do it year in, year and you're out. right to call them saying that they'd probably edge out Kansas because you're, they do edge out teams like they did last year, last yeah, I mean, last minute. You, they're not going to rush to the top of the division. They're not going to be number one or two seeds. They're going to get in with nails completely chewed well, off. Yeah, ever since they lost um, the Damian Tomlinson and the likes of, yeah. So the fact is, it seems to be now that they just have this joyride where you just sort of like fans are kept on the edge of their seats with them. But it just, it seems as well, I mean, we saw last year how they can sort of really upset the, the playoff sort of dynamics. And I think, to, you know, again, they're going to be one of those teams that you just don't know which team's going to turn up on the day. 
And I know I've asked this question before, but I'm going to ask it again because it goes back to that 2004 draft where the Chargers draft Eli and the Giants draft Rivers and Eli says he doesn't want to play for the Chargers, so they obviously trade and switch. Who do you think got the better deal? Because we know Giants have gone on to win two Super Bowls, so you may instantly be drawn to that. But if you look at the sustained success that Rivers has had, would you maybe have rather had him at quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I think really sometimes it's been... I'd say Rivers is, is the... Even though Eli's got the rings on his fingers, um, I'd say the more, like you say, rounded quarterback, Eli, yes, OK, he can do it, he can perform miracles, and the team that themselves have been around him, like you say, he's got some unbelievable people. However, you look at some of the people that Rivers has done it with over the last couple of years, just kind of like, you know, like the Floyds and stuff of the world, where they aren't the... The Megatrons you you think about who sort of like catch your attention, and the running backs he's had. It's like he's had Matthews, but Matthews has always been on and off injured or something like that. So they've been with like the second and third string backs, and the defense has been up and down and yo-yoing around. So that I think really that that San Diego outfit has produced more from what they could create whereas the Giants have got the few magic seasons and the rest is just kind of let's not talk about it and perhaps we're starting to see as well in that San Diego defence starting to see the uh, the college format of uh, Monte Teo as well yeah because he'd been more incorporated into it I think um, it's just a case of you earn, once you earn the trust of the team I guess maybe that he's now finding himself his place and he's, he's coming out of his shell okay so just to finish up then so confirmed in the playoffs we have New England Denver Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati are guaranteed a playoff spot as well. We don't yep. know, obviously, between them and Pittsburgh for the division and one other team. So that's how it stands in the AFC. So join us in a moment as we then look over the NFC. And I want to start with the big divisional game that had playoff implications between Philadelphia and Washington on Saturday night, which also saw Robert Griffin III go up against Mark Sanchez, a battle of two quarterbacks who were trying to make a name for themselves again. Yeah, I mean, it was weird because you're looking at the way it sort of drew out. And Philadelphia, really, I mean, they've sort of suffered, really, that by their own laurels, the fact that they've allowed themselves to go from 9-3... and three and that strong position and then drop free into this now nine and six and really you've got to sit there and go if anything it's, you, there's no one to blame but themselves so they're on nine and six at the moment yeah oh wow drop okay. three in a row so you've gone from top of the pile I mean they were up there with, back with Green Bay the last you know a few weeks ago you know they both did Green Bay had a little bit of a wobble and Philadelphia have had a real real wobble and allowed Dallas to just take the division well yeah of course yeah we'll come on to to that second but that Philadelphia Washington game there's a couple of big plays in there one was the Ryan Kerrigan sack forced fumble fumble recovery which was just I don't know that there's much Sanchez can do about that because Kerrigan gets in that position against any NFL quarterback he's going to knock it out of anyone's hand so you can't really it's not like butt fumble territory is it it's kind of no. it's just a great play by by Kerrigan yeah I mean he just out destroys the right tackle and then just you just by that point you, you the ball is there you're a part of your mechanic you've got to try and get through it just exposes the ball it's the natural mechanic of, of throwing the ball the ball is there in a single hand in that sort of that grip which isn't the best grip to hold it out so swap down it's just lucky I think really the fact that the ball came underneath his body and it's just nicely nice easy oh, yeah, recovery that's, that's definitely the bounce of the ball situation the ball. there where it literally just rolls underneath you and then you're just like oh, okay yeah I'll just, just recover on this, now, yeah. Yeah. and then obviously they got a field goal from that but then 
on the Washington's next drive, of course, we saw the old RG3, or a little bit of them, when he threw the ball 51 yards to Deshaun Jackson. They, they, I mean, they looked at that all night, and really, it was it was the matchup they craved for, and the commentators went about it. Everyone kept just talking about the fact that you had... Man on man. Man on man, and it was, it's, it was Fletcher, and they were saying that he suffered from this every single game is that Fletcher is a great zonal defender and can and create those sort of matchups there but he's not a speed man on man corner and it's just the problem is you put him Singo mano a mano against you know one, one of the, the quickest fastest, yeah. receivers in the league I mean I don't know if you if any of you saw the um the actual the live feed but did you see they actually put a speedometer in I did the guy's yes. like clocking over 20 miles an hour yeah, and this is one of the things I always say when people ask me about the NFL and what the difference between that and uh, and rugby is. Say, well, I say, well, rugby's a, an impact sport, whereas American football's a collision sport because you get people running at over twenty mile an hour, then running into someone else at about the same speed, and it just creates absolute carnage. But yeah, I mean, Deshaun Jackson showed uh, great speed a couple of times. There was one obviously moment where he did uh, where Robert Griffin got picked off just uh, going to the world one too many times as yeah. they say because the safety played that absolutely perfect put himself where Griffin would identify him as a single safety in the middle of the field and think okay yep yeah, I've got that matchup again but just as the ball's being snapped the safety shades over because he knows that he's going to give to the shot man, yeah. yeah absolutely and that's just great safety play for me that's safety yeah that is that's just that's going that's, that's the chess match isn't it Really sitting there You've going, been beat a couple of times. Uh, yeah, you're sitting there going, oh, so they've they've noticed the chink in my armor. I best patch that up quickly, send the safety over, and then yeah, like you said, that was just him being greedy. And they didn't go for it again after. I don't recall them trying that pass after they got picked off. Um, no, they did the same thing, but they went over from right to Roberts on the other side of the field. Uh, was so they just switched corners. Was it Garcon on the other side of the field? But they had one more deep ball, but it wasn't to to Jackson. They basically sat and went, well, we'll send Jackson. And then the other guy was on the other guy as well. Because then uh, he's single right, safety, then he can't come away. Yeah, okay, he's, he's covering Jackson, of course he is. Again, part of the chess match. Part of the chess match, okay. <laughs> Readjust. New chink in your armour. There you go. Yeah. But that was it. It was really, considering they're supposed to be this really fast team, I don't think they've, they fought as fast as they played. Does that make sense? Uh, yes, it does, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, the players are quick on the field, but if you're not giving them the right players or you're not adjusting your offensive scheme to, to fit the defence you're yeah. against, then, then you're always going to be behind. That was it. It was the adjustment and just not quick enough you're allowing them to get one or two hits out of those big plays or, or Morris you know they just never seem to stop him running up the middle fully because he is a beast well no yeah and that's it because that first big play to Deshaun Jackson 51 yards then led to the following play being a, a 28 yard touchdown run from Morris and it was it was just that that's the thing is really is that I just don't think Philadelphia ever played up to game speed no, and I think Griffin and Morris in their first year, I know a lot of teams play it now in the read option, so a lot more defences are attuned to it. But when you think of how conservative they've been with, with RG3 this year, going into next season, because they've got nothing to play for this year, that's the new twist to their offence that they can that they can use. They can bring back the read option because if you keep Griffin, Griffin plays the read option well and on the back of Morris's running, you can use that deep threat over the top, like we say to Jackson, say why they haven't done it 
before now he just seems to have been very narrow minded in that I want a pocket passer you will pocket pass was, for me yeah, rather I think, than I think that was more Gruden and the fact was they even said that because they were uh, adjusting to to RG3 coming back and, and starting apparently they said that they changed some of the playbook to suit RG3 and I think finally now the season's lost he sort of bowed his head and thrown his pride away rather than sitting there going no this is my offense this is how it runs and he finally just went right fine run it how the kid likes it sort of thing but a good coach surely knows that you've got to use strengths and weaknesses weaknesses and and you don't turn one of the most mobile quarterbacks in the league into a pocket passer that's just not that's never going to work not with that offensive line no definitely not with that offensive line and the point is you've got a running back like Morris so you can utilise the play action the read option and things like that and they would have had a great season again and you've got the um, you've got the catchy like we mentioned earlier the catchy running back in Hulu Jr uh, yes, yeah, who's who's had some big plays himself this year. The screen game, he's awesome at. Yeah, absolutely. So with that result, so Washington beat Philadelphia and basically as good as knocked Philadelphia out of the playoff race with, with that victory. We'll come on now to Dallas, obviously, because then that rounds up the, the NFC East. So Dallas against Indianapolis Colts. Uh, one word to describe it, blowout. I know it's week 16, but when you bring on at the end of the third quarter your second strings, um, yeah, that's embarrassing for the, the other team. Well, yeah, it was 28-0 at halftime, wasn't it, to uh, to Dallas. Bryant had a touchdown. They even had a uh, Bryant touchdown pulled back as well, didn't they, for offensive uh, holding, I believe. Um, and then the t- next p- play went to Terence Williams. Dallas getting a win at home as well. And that sealed the NFC East for Dallas as well, didn't it, with that victory? And Colts just rolling over like that and managing one touchdown late in the fourth quarter. Uh, it's just not good enough if you want to take your form forward into the playoffs. No. Something needs to be done there. No, and again, what, what we were saying is that the problem is we mentioned earlier, one-dimensional. How about, Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck. How about this? This is This is incredible. How about four rushing yards for the entire team for Indianapolis Colts on the day four rushing yards are you serious that's it four rushing yards Seven how many car- attempts um, ten I'm not even going to try and do the maths as to how bad that is on average you had um, Heron had seven for three yards you had Richardson had two carries for one yard and someone called Tipton I think that's the fullback had one carry which was a negative three so really that's a net actual gain of one yard um, how well, no, make... the net gain is four, isn't it? Because they'd have yeah. taken the minus off the rushing yards. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. but how do you win a game when you basically have ten attempts for less than ten yards? Of course, luck is going to get picked off, and of course, luck is going to be is just going to be absolutely bombarded. Yeah, when you go 28-0 down, that's probably the best time to start running because you can come out in a passing formation and then there'll be so much gaps at the middle because they'll know the situation, know you're trying to play catch-up, but then you may they must, may give up big runs through the middle because they're only likely to have five or six people in the box trying to stop the run and have everyone else dropped into coverage. Yeah, and it just meant, what you call it, could get blitz, um, Dallas could get, and they did get blitz happy. And, and, and that's the other thing, you run against the blitz, don't you? You just run away from the blitz, and mm. then again, they're down defenders, because not only have they only got a couple in the blocks, box, if they're blitzing everyone in the box, and that only leaves you with five defenders to try and make a tackle. So, If I'm a Colts fan, really, what comes down to it, if I'm a Colts fan, I'm not confident about going into the, uh, the postseason right but now. we'll come away from them obviously because we've concentrated on the NFC and uh, yeah so sorry about that and uh, Dallas how good they are looking moving into the postseason now now they've mm. managed to get that home win yeah. under their belt as well yeah it was the home win but also it's just the last couple of weeks the clicking of Brian and Romo they have just I don't know they've sort of like well, they've been on 
they've been they've been on it all season. Yeah, I mean they had, but they did have that period in the middle, didn't they, where they just had a little dry spell, and it was it, you saw there were some bright drops there. There were some bright drops, and you could see Roma was forcing the ball in, and he made some mistakes where he'd force the ball into Brian to try and get him into the game. Because Brian is one of those players that if he's out of the game, then it, he won't reimburse himself without you forcing like Romo trying to force him into the game and then you'll get back in but get him a big catch early on and he'll be have an amazing game yeah? there you go pretty much and the defence really the defence there is, is what's key because the problem has been um, the run defence is great we know that because not only did they like shut down to the Colts to become one dimensional we always knew it was the it was the secondary which was going to be weaker because of the likes that they have gone out and they've got some young very young corners and, uh, and some safeties and yeah Brandon from... Carr isn't it he's one of their safeties he's had a great season yeah and you've got Church who's just phenomenal uh, sorry, that, I think that's who I'm thinking of sorry Church is their safety isn't he Church, and he's just phenomenal especially as a run stopping safety he is hard hitting and there's no faulting that and that's that's one reason why their run defence is top notch because the safety comes up and supports so, so aggressive safety play Oh, excellent. So uh, we'll leave uh, Dallas there. We know they're playing really strong. Uh, picked up the NFC East with that victory. Finally, in the NFC East, I do just want to mention Odell Beckham Jr. I'm going to mention him briefly because he may or may not come up later in the show. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge and all. But the question I'll ask about him to keep it short, rookie of the year? Yes, no? Yes, I say rookie of the year and to just keep extend it a little bit longer because of course he missed the first four games. Yeah, he missed first four games through injury. Could have completely changed New York season. Absolutely. So he's also now the rookie with the most uh, receiving yards and receiving touchdowns in New York Giants history, isn't he? And that's having missed four games at the start. That's impressive. Isn't it just? <laughs> that's, just that's, that's impressive. It's obscene as well, isn't it? I mean, the, the catches some of these guys make. And we're going to put, uh, there's one I'm going to put in the show notes, and that was his one-handed uh, catch against the Rams uh, this week. But it was just uh, an amazing grab in, in traffic. So check it out in the show notes. You'll see, uh, again, this kid is just ridiculous when it comes to catches. So we'll go now to the NFC South and another division we've talked about a lot because there's been a lot to talk about with no one wanting to win that division until perhaps this week when Atlanta faced New Orleans and one of those teams showed that they definitely wanted the win Marcus I tell you what the, the, what really threw me from this game is that first initial kickoff. I thought we were in for a scorcher you know 99 yards down to the one yard yeah New Orleans yeah Sanders I, I was sitting there going well this is going to be a sort of 38 40 something game sort of thing to be honest I thought it was going to be a Saints blowout after that yeah if anyone watched Hard Knocks at yes, the beginning of the season yeah, with, with Atlanta this yes. is what I imagined Atlanta to be playing all season by what you saw and I know it's got some nice spin on it and stuff like that because it is it's, it's, they're not just going to put it out there but the face value of what they were building it looked like this was the idea Clock management, containing it, getting your opponent off the field and just allowing the time to just get wiped away and then you just sit there and you run your game as and when you want to. Yeah, absolutely. That was it. And they would talk about playing with passion, leaving everything on the field, just giving absolutely 100% all the way through. And until this game against New Orleans, I don't think we've, we've seen much of that this year. They've come close on a couple of occasions when, when they nearly came back. Like the game against Cleveland, they I think they nearly came back, didn't they? But Cleveland then snuck it. And that was the game where Hoyer hadn't thrown any touchdowns but still managed to, to win the game with a field goal. The thing we you say we, we've also seen that reverse this... So so we haven't seen enough of this from Atlanta. You know what I've seen too much from the Saints? Giving the, up. The heads going down. How many times have we seen, especially in the Dome, 
in their own dome. But that's because they're getting booed something chronic by the fans, but they've lost a ridiculous number of games at home now when it when it used to be a fortress. We talk about how the third quarter sort of makes and breaks your game. You can either come back or give up, and they just seem to be lying down in third quarters now. The yeah, if they, if, they, if they won this week, then they were as good as into the playoffs. I mean, how is that not something to fight for? It's it, mind-boggling, it? and like they say, with the explosive start as well, so they had the momentum from the opening kickoff, but then Atlanta just basically gritted their teeth and, and got on with the job and, and made some big plays and uh, the young running back Freeman who again we saw in, in Hard Knocks he's playing like he really wants a position on that because you know that Jackson's not going to be there for, for too much longer injured and, again injured again so he's potentially either on his way out in the off season or they'll they'll keep him there for another year or see out his contract but they're not going to use him as much now that they've got Freeman and they've got the other explosive lad as well, Rogers, is it? Yeah, yeah Jaquise Rogers. And of course, really, with the, the problem I've got for Jackson is because they've got Smith there as well, because they've got four backs. Four? Yeah, they've got that big, bumbling, stumbling thunder back. So they've got two lightnings and two thunders. So you've got Jackson and Smith as your two thunders, and you've got uh, Rogers and Freeman as your two lightnings. So they just love to just change them up. I don't think you'll need two thunders. I mean, two lightning's a bit different because that keeps you guessing, you know. You put both of them in a single set, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, and not to mention that if one isn't quite working, you've still got someone else who, excuse me, can come in as a change of pace and that's the the important thing, isn't it? Yeah. Or you can use your quick pace during the, the, the drives and then just get that thunder back in just to kind of pound it over the goal line. Yeah, but, but there was still there was a few things that I'm still not happy about, especially defensive. It seems to be... Uh, defensive seems to be very lazy. I mean, you saw how they got ahead. Uh, Atlanta or New Orleans? Atlanta, and right. they sort of fell asleep. I mean, really, they could have like closed out that game without actually giving up another touchdown, in my opinion, really. Because but, I think it was they got burned only because the defensive backs got sort of complacent. Yeah, they may have done for a little time, but I think... I know part of me thinks that this particular game we may be being a little hard on them because it was their defensive backs that kept Graham out of the end zone yeah. and oh when he basically days. caught the ball on the half, half yard line and then one defender held him up and then Ishmael struck, stripped the ball and that recovered it and ran away and that that's, that's a hell of a play on the defensive side and that is actually going to make it into the show notes as well because it's not every day you see someone as big and strong as Jimmy Graham being kept out the end zone so I'll no. finish that sentence you, that wouldn't happen to Gronkowski no but Jimmy Graham, he's having a bit of an off-season. He's still a big lad, but, I mean, that's that's great heads-up defence. Keep him at the end zone while well, one person strips the ball. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. Because there was a few occasions where just Graham, they were just sort of like making sure that he that he knew they were there and that there was no easy catch for him. Yeah, because was, wasn't there one where he dropped because he was looking before he caught it? I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, and Ishmael again came up, gave him a bit of a pop. Just remember, I'm here, Sancho. You catch that ball, you're getting licked. And not in a good way. No, nope. <laughs> not in a good way. <laughs> so with that victory then, uh, that puts New Orleans out of the playoff picture. Um, so it comes down to a show-off next week, which I know Marcus is uh, grinning. Uh, I love these show-offs. Yeah, they're the, sh- the showdowns. The show-offs. The show-offs. <laughs> that's, more, <laughs> that's more what Marshall Lynch did for oh. one of his touchdowns, but we'll come to that in a minute. But yeah, so next week we have Atlanta versus Carolina, who also won this week against Cleveland. We have them in a showdown for the NFC South division title. Winner takes all. Winner takes Love all. It. Who's going to take it? I must admit, if I see... Cam played back to his standards, even though he's got like apparently he's got a couple of small broken bones in his back. Have you heard how he's speaking now? Mm. And ever since the the car accident, he said he's got a, he's got a complete. Well, they've said he's got a completely new outlook on life. He's not taking anything for granted. Mm. And on the back of that as well, 
coming out and speaking against the fans when they booed when Manziel got hurt, coming out saying it's absolutely cowardly, there's no place for that in football. And he's right, there's no mm, place no. for booing someone being injured because they're all professional athletes regardless of, of who they play for. Um, so And that kind of leadership that we've been wanting and wanting and wanting out of Cam, uh, unfortunately it's taken something like that potentially to get it out of him. Yeah, but you know what, I think that's the little extra that gets him past. I, I, think, that's, I think that's just... the. That last little stepping stone that just like sees them across the finish line. Whether they can take that and make that something into the playoffs, yeah, there's there's a, some good teams in FC this year. Well, yeah, because five of them are going to have eleven. They're going to have at least eleven wins going into the playoffs. All all five teams, but the NFC South. It is crazy. You're going to be the odd ones out, Carolina. But no, I do see Carolina going through. Ah, okay, fair enough. So with that, we'll put them on a seven, eight, and one record, correct? Yeah. Okay, so that means they sneak over five hundred. Is that correct? something silly like that it's because they've not lost all their games or something like that no because the, the tie is like worth 0 point whatever it is to add the ad so yeah I mean it's it's still not great I mean effectively it is call it a 500 season yeah fair enough so uh, with that said then so we know that's going to come down for the battle for what is the last position in the NFC uh, we'll quickly roll through the other teams so Dallas we mentioned our NFC East champions we have another showdown next week between Detroit and Green Bay for the NFC North title they're both now in the playoffs but yep. it's, it all comes down to who gets home field for that all important first playoff game yeah and of course you've got to think as well that if um, if they can win that but if Dallas actually then takes them over with a victory over the weekend it could actually end up if they get through the wild card they'll have to face each other again oh because the uh, I'm trying to think the other wild card is going to be Arizona or Seattle isn't it yeah so the, the, the fact is that as the wild cards will face so 3v6 and 4v5 one of them will probably take off the 5 spot so therefore if they win through which if they're going to probably take on Carolina they will then they'll have to face each other again. So, love it. Love how it throws this up. Yeah, that is great. And uh, as we say, Seattle getting themselves into the playoffs with the win against Arizona uh, this week on uh, Sunday night. Mm. Um, Arizona did have third string quarterback in, so now their season just seems to be, they did all the hard work and they were pretty much in the playoffs once they'd got their nine wins. But uh, now with the injuries at quarterback, it's just looking like their season's going to kind of fade, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it seems silly. You said they go, can one man make such a difference, one player? Well, of course yeah. he can when he's the quarterback. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Arizona. It's just, it's, it's, it's the harsh realities of how the sport plays out is the fact is that like you said you 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 went through and you won it all and stuff like that and I mean I think it, they've gone sort of um, since the nine wins they've gone something like one and three and they are yeah, no, well, they are eleven two two and three then yeah but it's just no it's just unfortunate the way it's happened but I just I think they've almost just run out of steam I mean they'll get into the playoffs but I think they would just there's no momentum no because they're probably going to have an away tie. Because they'll be the sixth seed, probably going into the playoffs. The way the way it's looking at the moment, anyway. Probably um, against Dallas. Oh yeah, and that's at not Dallas. Yeah, not where you want to be. Because come playoff time, then then Dallas are going to perform in front of that crowd because that crowd's going to be amped to the max. Yeah, first time without an eight and eight record. Oof. For a few years now, because yeah. it's normally the last game of the season. It's normally been Giants versus Cowboys for the NFC East, and the Giants normally win. So, okay, well, so we're going to leave the. NFC roundup there and looking at the time it's probably best that we do indeed move on you are listening to spitball so as I mentioned earlier slightly different format to the, the show this week which means there is no Marcus gear grind Aww. 
yeah, no, I'm, I'm quite disappointed too because I do normally like to to listen to Marcus rant on. But instead, we are going to go into our awards. So at this point in time, uh, we don't have a coin to hand. So I'm going to have to ask Marcus how many fingers I have hidden behind my hand. One or two? One. He is correct. So... Not quite dramatic if you're listening to this, obviously, but for us sitting opposite each other, I thought it was quite a, quite <laughs> an interesting awful. way of doing things. Yeah, cool. All right, all right. It was quite awful. Thanks, Marcus. Brilliant. Moving swiftly on, do you want to pick the award or go first or second? Um, I will pick, pick the award. Okay, and guess what? You're going first. <laughs> I'm going first, am I? <laughs> yes. So you're a runner-up. Oh, okay, fair enough. My, my run-up this week is, is actually going to go to Ryan Tannehill because I thought he was phenomenal in the fact that he kept them in that game. Absolutely yeah. amazing. I mean, it was it was close to 400 yards, what we've got here. 400 yards, uh, 396 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, it's incredible. I know it was one defensively, really, with that sort of special teams. With the blocked punt. With, yeah. oh, amazing. However, the fact that he kept coming back, I mean, at one point I think they were down 14 points, and so you, you're sitting there going, this was just a game I didn't expect to be so tough for Miami. No, neither did I. Not against Minnesota, who are playing for nothing except pride again. But it's it's for me. It's it's something like that. I mean, I think well, I know that mm, Tanner was going to come back and it's going to be played a lot on this one. But he, you know, they always wondered whether he'd actually do this from from college because, of course, he was the big name before Johnny Football came about from 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 Texas A and M. However, he's just just sort of like faded into that Miami team, and he's just part of that that system however this is what he could do and he showed up so he is your runner up for the award okay well my runner up this week for the award is Marshawn Beast Mode Lynch now Firstly, I'm going to put the Beast Mode run. As I mentioned, uh, Beast Mode is obviously his his nickname. This is for our rookie listeners out there. When you see the clip in the show notes, you'll see exactly why uh, <laughs> they call it Beast Mode. Just the way he bulldozes through people is just out of this world. And you'll see it on one of his touchdown runs uh, this week. 113 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. I know one of them was quite a big touchdown anyway, but still, this guy just makes Russell Wilson's life so much easier because he, he can carry that team when he needs to. Yeah. That's the impact. Again, he just sort of does it sort of week in, week out. Even if he only has, say, sort of 50 yards, you can guarantee at some point it's going to be a clutch play that he's managed to either get a first down when they needed it or sort of broke off of that 50 yards, 20-yard touchdown. And for me, that's why the likes of him just keep coming up and up and up and are impact players because... You know that's that's exactly what we mean by impact. Someone who changes a game just on one play, and it makes a complete difference to the game. Just changes the momentum of that game completely, and and that's all you can ask for an impact player, really. So uh, we come on now to the winner uh, to find out why he didn't actually win the award this week, having given him that much of a big up. Oh, and it pains me to say this because actually, for once, we can actually see what each other's got. And it, so you're, it, you're it, cheating by reading my show notes. Yeah, it wounds me. It wounds me to say this, but we've both come up with a very good winner for the Impact Player this week, and it is Odell Beckham Jr. Again, another player who you will hear his name come up at the moment because everything he does 
practically turns to gold. And you're going to be hearing him for a good couple of years, guys, so oh, get used yeah, to us rattling absolutely. on. Yeah, if he keeps up this form, then he's just going to be, while he's at the Giants especially, next year I'm actually really excited to see him and Victor Cruz and what that Giants offence could be. Because yeah. it's not as if they're he makes them a just a vertical only offence we saw this week and again a catch I'm going to put in the show notes he shows that he makes clutch plays in traffic and ridiculous catches in traffic as mm. well so it's not that he's constantly burning teams over the top this guy's he's having like 10-12 receptions a game because he's making all the plays underneath as well I mean 148 yards this week and two touchdowns including a big touchdown over the top but as I say he has that many receptions because he's just used all over the field yeah I mean he's just Manning relies on him now but he trusts him so but also he's now the impact he's having for everyone else because he's such a highlight I mean the game Randall had against the Rams because we just put two people on Beckham and then asked them to go one-on-one on, one on Randall. Randall had a fantastic game because of it. So he creates that impact by we having to change our game plan for him. Yeah, absolutely. So again, next year, when they're having to game plan against Beckham, so you pick Beckham or do you pick Cruz or if Randall stays there as well, then what are your choices? Which which poison do you defend the most? Or do you leave the middle open for Larry Donnell? Well, there's, there's that as well, isn't there? So again, this is why uh, we say impact player. So Odell Beckham Jr. are... Award winner. Now we come on to our defensive impact player, otherwise known as our Mr. Award. And your runner up, please, Marcus. My runner up this week is going. Sorry. Do I have to cover up my show notes at this point? No, you don't have to cover up your show notes (laughs) at this point. No, uh, my my runner up this week is basically a go to uh, Ray Malaluga. Oh, Ray Malaluga. Ray Malaluga, the Cincinnati Bengals. Because did you see the performance he put in? Ah, uh, yes, their middle linebacker. Middle linebacker, absolutely. Now, he, of course, he's taken in from, um, is it perfect? It was, yes. And so he's sort of stepped up as this guy to sort of fill in the middle. And you know what? I mean, we saw him um, last week sort of. He's, what he's done is he caught my eye last week when he got in Manziel's face, did the money signs, got told off. Because, I mean, he's, he's difficult because you've got to try and take on the likes of Welk. He's got to play both that whole pass defender rush defender and I think he did it perfectly this week 10 tackles and 6 assists oh wow so what's the 16 total tackles yeah wow yeah mental yeah absolutely yeah great performance and definitely deserving of of being a runner up there in the impact so this week for my uh, runner up in the Mr award I've actually gone with a player we mentioned earlier for Washington and I've gone with Ryan Kerrigan because of uh, his six tackles in the game despite only getting uh, the one forced fumble and and one fumble recovery uh, and one sack just a constant torment and we talk about having to game plan he's the kind of defender you have to double up on to stop him getting through every time so for me that is why he was my runner up this week I don't think Defence is given as much... Uh, credit. Credit, yeah. I think credit is the right word. But you've got to sit there at the end of the day and say, well, what does that actually do? Because at the same point, yes, you can score a lot of points, but what defence do every down is they, that slow grind of the game. Because you might not make something the first drive, but come the fourth quarter and stuff... You'll be making plays. What, what you've put in, if you put a lot in and grounded that offence down that's when you start making plays absolutely so who is your winner this week for the mister 
Ward. My winner this week, again, we mentioned him in the show, um, and I just think he's just awesome because every week he seems to do this now, and he did it again this week, and that is J.J. Watt. Say what? Another beast mode. Another beast mode. And really, what he does on every sort of time you sort of like watch out what he does because I mean did you see how again he took uh, hands to the face where they, they pretty much pushed the fa- face gauge right back into the nose all bloody oh, exactly, it up yeah, exactly, yeah. split his nose again and just he just carried on playing just did not take a drop beat carried on playing carried on fighting eight tackles uh, a sack including in that uh, three tackles for loss as well he shut down Forset. Forset didn't have anything on the game Baltimore hadn't had anything on the game that entire, every time he kept attacking Flacco could not work properly and you saw it just with the production that he sort of I mean it wasn't just him but god is he a hell of a piece and a hell of an impact that he creates oh yeah 100% and again a name that will constantly come up and up again in this particular award just because of the difference he, he makes he is a, a difference maker and you know he should be mentioned in that as we mentioned earlier for MVP but because he's a defensive player he probably he, he may get mentioned or an honourable mention but realistically it's going to go to, to someone else uh, probably someone on the offense quarterback running back that kind of territory um, but my my winner this week uh, of the award is <laughs> a cop-out, shall we say, if, if you were listening as the boss. But, you know, when they put in this kind of performance, how do you pick one player from that Atlanta defence that had four turnovers, two interceptions, uh, two fumble recoveries, uh, a touchdown and five sacks? You, you can't pick one person out of that kind of performance because it takes every part of that defence and every member of that defence to create that impact on the side so it's still probably going to be laughed at as a cop-out but at the same time it's called a team game for a reason you've got 11 people on that defence and if one person isn't doing that job then that you don't have that kind of performance as a unit yeah and um, it's, it's the thing is, is that aggressiveness fire the defence can sometimes be misconstrued that you know it loses the the nuance of the chess match however I think sometimes you know if you are just going to say your back is against the wall guys if we want to go to the playoffs if we don't want to be sitting in January watching or, or even say in February say guys our chance to actually be in the Super Bowl rather than watching it in February we need to win this game go out there make something happen hence the Ishmael play that I'm putting in the, the show notes because that that's that's a seven point swing isn't it because it's a, oh, I don't think Atlanta managed to score off that play but it's taking points off the board for New Orleans by turning the ball over on the half yard line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that for me, that's why uh, they won the award this week. And with that, we swiftly move on with the show. Oh, y'all want the play? Okay. Here we go. We've got gun, Hulk left slot, Dixie left, key left, Mercedes, wide chip, Ricky, zebra left, 75, Katie, Omaha. Quick going. <laughs> Before we finish off the show this week, it's come to that time again where I would like to raise awareness on a couple of the player foundations. So for those who have been listening all year, you'll know we've been trying to raise awareness for the good things that the players do off the pitch rather than the things that get highlighted in the news or the negativity that surrounded this league with certain players' behaviours this year. So with that said, two players we are going to talk about now or I'm going to mention now 
is uh, JJ Watt. So again, someone who's come up quite predominantly on this particular podcast, but the JJ Watt Foundation, uh, which can be found at jjwfoundation.org. The foundation is looking to reach out to middle schools in Wisconsin and Houston who have insufficient or no funding for after-school athletic programs. The foundation then provides such funding, allowing children the chance to learn valuable life lessons such just teamwork hard work and how to persevere in times of adversity i strongly recommend everyone go and uh, check out the the website as i say jjwfoundation.org a link to which will be in the show notes so you can find out more information about the foundation and the type of programs and events they run to raise money so if you wanted to donate or even attend one of these events go and uh, check out the website and and see for yourself the second player we're going to mention is another player who's come up quite a lot this week and that is Marshawn Lynch so as well as being beast mode he also does a lot of good work off the field as well and he is actually involved with the First Family Foundation uh, which was created in 2006 and officially formed in 2011. It was launched by Joshua Johnson and Marshawn Lynch to improve the lives of children uh, by mentoring them on the importance of education, literacy and self-esteem. The website to go to is familyfirst.org. Again, another link to that will be in the show notes. Please do, even if it's only five minutes, just to have a look and see the great work they do, please do go and check that out. Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. That wraps up the show for another week. In the show notes, you will find links to uh, both of the foundations that we've just mentioned there the JJ Watt Foundation and the Family First Foundation. You will also this week find the return of Bullhawks in flight entertainment. For all of the <laughs> clips I've mentioned uh, throughout the show, so I'm sure Marcus will be going to check those out as well as I'm sure you will too. So, Marcus, it's great to have you back in that Aylesbury studio, so we can do this face to face, maybe even a cheeky little sly high five. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get to do that very often. Simple things oh, and all that. Oh, the powers of sort of podcast and radio. Oh, pretty <laughs> good to see this now, people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, happy faces being out to talk face to face. But as always, my friend, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been great, uh, absolutely, and I guess we should really wish each other a Merry Christmas. Why not? And uh, while we're at it, I think we should both also wish all of our listeners out there a uh, Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays, and a Happy New Year to you all as well. Until next time, football fans, stay safe, take care, and thanks for stopping by. Ho, 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 ho!